What's up, guys? Welcome to episode three of the Overachiever Podcast. The episode three's guest is Caden MacArthur. He comes from Collins Mill High School in Atlanta, Georgia, and is my teammate here at Lenore Ryan. He was a 1,000 point scorer in high school and the ninth ranked point guard in the Georgia class. Overall, he's a great dude, and we have a great conversation about small guards and things he loves about basketball. Share the episode, and I hope you guys enjoy. Here we go. How you doing today, guys? Welcome to the conversation with my guy, Caden MacArthur. Caden, um, please go ahead and introduce yourself, man. What's good, guys? It's your boy, Caden MacArthur, um, Hamilton's teammate this year. We both entered our freshman year at LR. Um, just had a red shirt year, but stay ready and ready to kill next year with my guy. I like that. So, um, played at what? Collin Hills High School, right? Uh, played yeah. at Grayson first. Grayson and last year, all region. You scored a thousand points. So <laughs> let me talk my guy for a little bit. Seventh ranked point guard in the state and uh, 80, 80th ranked player in the state, which is really hard to do. Georgia is a really good basketball state. But um, first thing I just want to hit you with, just just a general question. A lot of athletes get it. What kind of got you into playing basketball? Um, well, my dad he played at Oglethorpe University in Atlanta. Um, played at JUCO in Texas, then Oglethorpe University in Atlanta. So. He was obviously the first stepping stone in my basketball career, just like, you know, get me out there on the court, bought the little tight hoop like normal, and, you know, started shooting and got me on the court, played in rec leagues and stuff. But um, really my whole family has kind of been, like, athletic, and then the people I was put around, basketball just ended up being a sport. Like, I played baseball growing up, and I did, you know, other sports and soccer. Did a little bit of boxing. I was on my mom's side, but, now nah, basketball is just, like, Everywhere I turned, a family member, my uncle, somebody played, somebody did this, um, you know, and played at a high level. So I was like, you know, I just got so, so many resources in that sport. Why don't I just, you know, attack that? So yeah, basketball just ended up being being a sport that, <laughs> that I love too. So it, it all worked itself out. So from an early age, did you think basketball was like, oh, this is my future? Or you were kind of still dabbling in other sports? Because I know for me, when I was in like seventh or eighth grade, I realized like I'm not. I already got hit so many times in football. I couldn't play anymore. People were running me over. <laughs> I realized like I got to give this up. Baseball was just kind of boring to me. I feel like so I was like basketball is really the only thing. I was slow. I couldn't run track. So it was yeah. is that kind of the journey for you, or you you were still playing other sports? Uh, I was still playing other sports. Um, I was pretty good at soccer and baseball, but it was just it. I mean, it's undescribable. You know, everybody has that mm-hmm. feeling in their specific sport. And then it's just like, it's that time you hit a game winner or the time you, you've been working on something and it finally, you know, coming to fruition and, and, it, and you use it in a game. It's that type of moment that you have within the sport that you're like, all right, I, I want to continue to do this. So, you know, like I liked all my other sports and I was pretty good at all of them. But, you know, you just had that, that certain feeling like going to games, going to practices, and, you know, like to see my parents so so involved in it. And, like, I mean, my parents, they always helped me in any sport, but my dad was just so, like, he knew how to train and, and do these things to put myself in a better position to become a better player that it was just like those moments meant so much more because you put in that work mm-hmm. for it. Whereas other sports, I mean, you know, when you're young, you just show up and <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> you just <laughs> start killing and then you just, you know, keep it pushing. I like that answer, so. You would say besides your dad, or you can even go into your dad. What, who was the most heavily influential person in your basketball career? You don't. You can give me a coach. You can give me your dad. You can give me your brother, or you could say you know your favorite player. But just just run me through that. Yeah, no. Um, I, I can give you really all three. So from my dad's perspective, like I said, he played and things like that, and just always having those conversations with him, and you know him going through the process, playing in high school, playing in college, and and just talking to him on that end. 
a coach, one of my favorite coaches of all time, Coach LaShawn. Um, he is uh, assistant coach at Grayson High School. He came in my junior year. Craziest story ever. Like, I thought I was about to start my junior year, and guys came in, and I was six men on the bench, and he just, that whole time, like, he was pushing me to be better on the court, but, like, he would always, he he, he got his degree in, uh, like, therapy. Mm -hmm. So he was able to tap into the mental side of the game and really put me on game. Like, okay, this is how you have to train your mind to, like, okay, to attack certain situations so he was always there for me so that's one of my favorite coaches and then uh just one of my favorite players and been watching him shoot ever since i can remember um pierre jackson dude overseas uh, uh instagram you know he he posts some of his highlights and stuff like that but he played overseas played at baylor went juco you know whole crazy story but um just the way you know he plays with a certain pace and makes shots is just like when I saw that for the first time, I was like, okay, that's how I'm trying to get like trying to get like his game. So he's very influential. But those three, I would say, are the biggest like motivating factors for me to be like, okay, this is I continue to do this. So I kind of take peace from all of them. Still call that old coach. Obviously, still talking to my dad. And uh, yeah, just all three of them. They kind of formed how I play today. I like that. That's a great answer. Um, so him as a player, your dad, obviously my dad's a been big, um, important role in my life too. We kind of talk about the game and things like that. But as a point guard and not even as a point guard, I've seen guys that play the, the same position as us, but you think the game, right? So that's, I mean, that's why I like talking to you about the game. Obviously you think the game, a lot of guys just play the game, right? Yeah. I mean, most, most dudes just go outside, oh, I'm, I'm going to go shoot around, but they're not really working. When I see you working out, even by yourself or with our, you know, our assistant coaches, you work on stuff that you need to get better at. So just walk me through, like, how you became able to think the game instead of playing the game. Because at this level, especially point guards, you have to be able to think, but most importantly, apply that stuff, but so, think yeah. through it at first. So walk yeah. me through how you first started thinking the game. So, I mean, if we're talking about, I mean, I think you kind of run into the same situation as me. If we're talking about our overall physical capabilities, it's not anything tremendous. Oh, so, yeah, like, agree. we're not big. We're not – I mean, you're a little bit more explosive than me, but we ain't crazy fast mm -hmm. or anything like that. So, right. you kind of have to dissect, you know, the defense and dissect what other teams are doing, even what other coaches are doing against you to provide yourself an advantage. Because, you know, I mean, like like we talk about, for most of the small guards that we watch, they're just, like, ultra quick mm -hmm. or ultra fast. But, like, somebody in the league that i also been watching is, like, Fred Van Vliet. I don't know how he's getting it done. But I just know that he is most likely he's a lot smarter mm -hmm. and, you know, just recognize those situations and taking advantage of them in that moment than anybody else. So I would say that that would be my biggest factor is, like, understanding that I didn't have any physical advantages. So I had to create a mental advantage in a lot of my situations to be like, you know, you got to figure it out. Because, I mean, at this level, college basketball, you know, you want to play pro, like, those coaches don't want to hear you can't do no, something do or not. you can't <laughs> or you can't you know you got to figure it out at this size because it's like at our size it's easy for them to create an excuse as to why you're not good you know like oh he's too small mm -hmm. or he can't play like i'll throw somebody else out there now to do six four he's doing the same thing you're doing but he's six four yeah, so exactly. he can get away with it exactly you know so you just at this level you like you there, there's so many ways you got to figure it out like even like when i see you work out and some stuff that I'm stealing from you, like, I got to, 
when I get to the lane, like I'm working on like hook shots, and people go like, "Why are you working on that?" Because you never gonna know when the situation presents itself. Exactly. Some big not six nine dude come over, <laughs> try to block your shot. You gotta throw up something. Exactly. Like you gotta put it up there. So just working to put yourself in like odd situations to where you have everything in your toolbox to figure it out. You know, and like you said, just taking it to that mental side of the game. When you able to have those tools, all right now knowing when to apply it in certain situations and then over time you do it so many times it's like all right i'm starting to figure stuff out so yeah on that that that's how i you know feel about the mental side of it yeah that's a like mentally that's think that's why i love the game of basketball because you know physically we're i mean you're probably you might be a little more athletic than me i might be a little more athletic than you it doesn't matter we're Two out of tens on the athletic rating scale. Like neither <laughs> of us, neither of us can dunk. I mean, we're not gonna jump over you and finish. But like, I love mentally like watching some film and then d- implementing in that in my game. That's just such like a serotonin rush. I think that's why I yeah. got addicted to playing basketball. But kind of pivoting from there, um, you played in. I mean, you played in Atlanta. Played in Georgia. I got have a full list of current NBA players from Georgia. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so many. I mean, some famous ones Probably right now: Colin Sexton, Jalen yeah. Brown, Lou Williams. Very famous. Dwight Howard. Josh Smith, Sharif Cooper, Isaac Cora, all from the same school. Mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards, and I didn't know Jeremy Jeremy Lamb was from Atlanta either. So just North walk Cross. me through. Yep, Gwinnett, walk me through. Three or four of those from Gwinnett. But mm-hmm. my fault. What's up? Go ahead, walk me through. You know, playing against. The, I mean, every night you're seeing somebody, and you play with some high major guys. Every mm-hmm. night you're seeing somebody, you got to be on your p's and q's. So walk me through that. That as a high school player. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's fun, but it's nerve wracking at the same time because. You know, when you step on the floor with these guys, I got a specific game that I can even go to. My sophomore year, we played, Grayson played Norcross, and I look back at that film, nine out of ten guys on that floor played D1 Mm -hmm. in the starting five. Um, And three of them are fringe league players or in the league, (laughs) Uh, you know, or playing at uh, Power 5 schools. So you you know when when you take a when you take a deeper dive into it it's like when, when you're in it you're like man I just want to push myself to to be in those positions mm-hmm, and excel, to, yeah. and, to, and excel in that in that type situation but at the same time you look at it you're not looking at it in the moment as like yo I'm playing with really good players like these guys like that'll probably end up in G leagues play have good overseas careers if they choose to pursue that so um I just think that, like, every night, like, you couldn't take a night off. I think it's similar, like, GHSA basketball, CIF, and any prep school, I think, are, like, the three that I look at you know, in terms of, like, yo, you can't take a night off. Because you take that night off, somebody's going to, like, really kill you, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and it's going to be on Baller's Life. And <laughs> like, it's going like, you're going to see it again. Somebody was recording it. So, it's just, uh, you know, i seen – I seen really good players, you know, through my high school career, and then the big another big motivational factor for me is I saw them have everything in terms of everything the kids want. Like they were getting free shoes, they were getting free gear, and I wasn't getting that. So I was like, and they still continue to work. So I was like, yo, there's no reason for me. Like I ain't got nothing. I, you know, I gotta push myself, you know, to see if I can get to that position. And you know, it's it's led me here and it's got me to a good point. But nah, man, like. That that scene is crazy, and you don't know when you're in a moment, but then you look up. You know, I played Sharif and Isaac, you know, in high school, and then you look up two years later, he in the league, you know, and, and Sharif in the league, and I played, you know, with Davon Smith at Georgia Tech. I played with Caleb Murphy at DePaul now, like Tanari's at Georgia State. He just transferred to Georgia State. 
or you went to Winthrop, like you you don't realize how good these guys are until you're like, oh snap, like he might go to the league. Yeah, in like, the moment, you, <laughs> yeah, you don't realize. Moment. Like, yeah. I'm playing with dudes that are in the league. People make the yeah. joke all the time. Like you see it on memes and stuff. Imagine you know going to your three o'clock math class <laughs> and then going to have to play Scoot Henderson. Caden really did that. I did. Like you know hey. you go to math class, you go to history, you talk, yep. you see the girls. Hey, what y'all doing tonight? Oh, yo, pull up to the game. But it's a pro. Yeah. Like it's not like high school. You know. Oh yeah. I actually played with Scoot in my eighth grade year. Actually, it's a crazy story. But I played. I played with him. We they were called um, at the time Atlanta Big Five. It wasn't even Game Elite yet. They weren't even Game Elite yet. It was Atlanta Big Five, but it was. Yeah, we, like you said, when you you any night, like even I remember one game my sophomore year we played Eric Gaines, uh, who was mm-hmm. was at UAB now, but was at right LSU. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know who he was. Had no idea. They're like Eric Gaines, like he nice, he nice, Lithonia. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But then again, I I had good players on my team too, so I'm not concerned. Thirty four piece. <laughs> they lost, but it was thirty four piece, yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, he he, yeah, okay, he nice. So you don't like. You know, you walk on the floor, you just got to – after that year, I was like, bro, you just got to come prepared because you don't even know who you're going to play. I mean, the only, only teams that we're going to really know going into here is the region teams. And then other than that, it's 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 up for grabs. Anybody could give you work that night. So who was the best player you played? And you don't have to give me – you can give me yeah. two or three, but or what individual performance does somebody just kill you? Like, there's been some guys that I have physically guarded that just – we won the – like – I'm trying to win the game. So you get 40, but as long as I win, I'm good. But people have put, like, 45 and 50 on – like, Freddie Dillion, he plays at Tennessee. He scored, like, 38 on me. Nobody <laughs> yeah. else was guarding 30. Yeah. I played four, 40 minutes. It's not like I got subbed out. He had 38 <laughs> just on me. So run yeah. me through, you know, something like that. Um, I had – I have two guys who are probably more underrated than I've ever thought. So one is A.J. White. He went to Chattahoochee. We were playing a summer league game in high school. And Davon, he had some camp or something, so he wasn't there. So Coach threw me in the starting lineup. And when I tell you this kid is like, he built like us, mm-hmm. you know, 5'8", 150 pounds. Oh, my goodness. Every move in a bag and shooting it and making it every time. He, I ain't going to lie. He, I, I don't want to say number. I got to say number. Four, he had 49. He had 49. So in a 50 ball. Game, it's like half a game. It's <laughs> yeah, it's like running clock. So he had a 50 ball, basically. And then uh, the other kid, Jason Edwards, actually one of my guys, grew up with him, played at Grace, and then he transferred to Parkview his, you know, his junior, senior year of high school. He, he gave me around 40 my junior year, and he's a tough one to guard, man. So it's like I, like I said, it's so many dudes that do, those are two dudes. One's playing Juco right now at Dodge City. Really good. He just got some great offers, Jason. Yeah, he's going D1 at the Adopt yeah, City going, for sure. Yeah, and then uh, A.J. White's at North Georgia, who's another D2. Mm-hmm. Two guys, you know, played ju- – one played – he went to – Jason went to Miles first year. So, two dudes who went D2, killing. And they both probably – I think they were both top five in scoring uh, that year in the state. And it's like, bro, these dudes going D2. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, say that they could have made D1. Everybody know every situation is different. Yeah, but it's about opportunity. And exactly. It, any like anybody could kill you, and those are just the two. I was like, when I was guarding him, I was like, damn, he hit that fadeaway. Yeah, he just <laughs> like he just like he just pulled up from three. Like he had the volleyball line. Coach not supposed to go out there. Like I'm looking, you know, you get hit with the screen. <laughs> you lost. He just getting it up. You like, dang, no help on the screen. Yeah, it was all that. He it was all that. Once a good player starts hitting from so far out, <laughs> then you have to go out there. I'm like, yep. oh, yeah. So come get me, but. 
that's summer league or AAU. Like I feel like, like when you go play with your high school team, maybe because I was like, when I still played summer league, I was the man on my team. But I just feel like, you know, team camps and like I went to play at Virginia Tech's team camp and Radford's team camp. I just feel like that's the best. That's my best memories. I used to get it up, yeah. shoot it. Oh time. yeah, Coach oh, yeah. Like, You know, you really only have seven guys. People on vacation <laughs> and stuff like that. I'm letting it go. Yeah, so, yeah. I have some really fond memories of summer camp and stuff like that. But pivoting a little bit before we talk about you know like the current state of college and NBA, I just want to ask you like what hobbies do you have outside of basketball that kind of keeps you? Because we play basketball. Basketball yeah. is. For a fact, the longest sport in college, right? Yeah. It's seven, six, seven months. So we started in August, and some teams are still playing. Like the D2 National Championship was just three days ago. So te- guys have been off for three days. We've already been off for four weeks. So you can imagine yeah. even playing longer. But what kind of keeps you sane outside of basketball? Oh, man. Well, I do. I go through, and, you know, I have my Bible study. I always want to talk to the Lord. That's, like that's that. a big thing. So, you know, like every night try to find 10. 15 minutes, you know, just kind of sit in his presence, talk to him, you know, anything you might be struggling with. I think that's a big key to success, you know, in anything that you want to do. And then um, recently, I'm, I ain't going to lie, I'm already going to uh, plug in my plug in my my clothing plug brand, uh, Deep Duffels. Go go follow me on Instagram. I got a Deep Duffels account on Instagram. My brother sent me up a TikTok soon. I'm getting it on all streaming platforms, bro, and I – I, I got I got about fifteen or so items out, man. Y'all go y'all go tap in on that. Um, you know I'll make sure Ham you know plugs in some yeah, type of I got you on the <laughs> on there. But yeah, man, I I created a clothing brand, man. It's just learn more. I decided that, uh, this past semester that I'm uh, I'm going into business for my major, uh, well specifically finance and entrepreneurship. So just learn a little bit more on that end as far as you know how to create a business what things i need to be looking for it's kind of trial and error with this um but i'm learning so much along the way and like you said it's giving me something outside of basketball to kind of you know take my mind off and and enjoy as well so as uh, i'm loving it right now the two big things i can take away from that is at your age especially at our age where i'm a year older but we're the same age like even if that fails, like learning how to fail and bounce back from that is a huge thing. Like obviously talking about this, you're not afraid to fail. Like if you never make a dollar, I'm sure uh, you've already told me you've made a little money, but if you never make a dollar, you're still extremely happy with the product you put out. And that's teaching you how to fail and how to start a business. Like I have nothing, I don't know how to do that. So, I mean, you're a step ahead of me in that category and already probably a step ahead of a lot of people that have never started their own business. So that's really cool to do that. And, you know, keeping, keeping you sane, like, and basketball, you cannot just worry about basketball all the time. You will go insane. <laughs> it will consume you, it man. Will con- it will seriously <laughs> in a negative way. Like you cannot yeah. do it. But um, switching to that, I've been watching a lot of basketball recently. The NCAA tournament's going on a lot. I know you're a huge NBA guy. I'm I'm a more of a NCAA basketball like college guy. But yeah. first question I got for you: What do you think makes small guards really, really good? And secondly, what do you think? Why do some coaches shy away from taking small guards? Yeah, so on the point of why what makes small guards so good, um, I think we talk about that mentality, man. And and even like, even with you, like when I watch you play and stuff like that, like people people are always gonna underestimate you when you're small. Facts. And I'm gonna keep it being like you you're five you you five we gonna call you five ten. You six five, foot ten. six foot with shoes on. It's the girl, right, so six, six foot shoes on. Six foot hundred and fifty pound white boy, like people ain't respecting that no, like when you never. walk on the court. But just the way you attack it and kill, you know, within yourself and then any other guard, like we just saw Marquise Noel just go absolutely ape. Crazy. Every night they had some six five dude on him and he's like, So what? I'm still killing him. Like that just that mindset. 
obviously there's some physical things like you know being a little bit quicker at this size helps and you know being able to shoot and shoot deep that helps um but i think the biggest thing is like that mentality like you can't be afraid you know you can't be afraid like i would really suggest if i'm anywhere under six three really training the mind more mm-hmm. than anything I would agree. because you have to like we we both know that there's a lot of situations in basketball where we were not supposed to succeed no, never, never, or have the never, opportunity yeah, i would agree <laughs> so the only way we got that was because we've like in our mind we were like no i'm not accepting the fact that you're saying that i can't do that i can't be that i can't have that position i can't start i can't like i you know that that mindset for us to to hit like it it can be it's almost dangerous too because you you end up doing some stuff that you like all right i don't have to take that step back three but it's just like (laughs) it's just like that confidence like be like no i'm gonna prove to you that everything that you said I couldn't do, I'm going to do, and then everything that, you know, that, that they don't even expect me to do, I'm going to get it done. So that I, I feel like training the mind and, and that confidence is really key for small guards. And then um, my fault, your second question? Um, the second question is, what do you think coaches like? Some coaches refuse to, to yeah. play a small guard, especially in college basketball. Like a lot of coaches just dislike playing small guards. Why do you think some coaches are like that? Are they just small-minded? They they refuse to open up, or someone just probably had some past experiences where yeah. the small guard just wasn't getting it done. So yeah. I understand that if you wasn't getting it done. But <laughs> why do you think some coaches shy away from from taking that? And I'll give you my answer on that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously there's there's some disadvantages to it. Like we get posted all the mm-hmm. time and stuff like that, and you know we try to fight and do what we can. But I mean, if a dude. <laughs> <laughs> six foot five, He's six foot six, you know, like, you know, dudes are going to score. But I think, um, I think they, because it's so blatant, what our shortcomings are, I guess yeah, you could say, in, 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 on the court are, they, you know, they, it, it, like it's easy to detect. Yeah, you can watch me warm up and say uh, he can't play defense. <laughs> yeah, he can't play defense. You're correct. Whereas if if I watch a six five guy, I can literally sit there and be me and you can sit there and say he can't play defense. Like exactly. he can't move laterally. But that's not something that you could just. It doesn't stick out. It as doesn't much. stick out yeah. as much. So it, it's just one of those things that we we stick out. But I think if if you're a coach and you have a small guard who is talented and could play, I think the biggest thing that that I would do if I was in that position is and, and it's easier said than done and obviously there's going to be some times where you're going to get yelled at and cussed out that that's normal in basketball and that's how you know any coach would mm-hmm. be but just uplifting him in that situation uplifting him in that situation because they're already like like we talked about earlier like trying to figure it out exactly and then it's like if I uplift this guy there's a reason why he's here mm-hmm. like his talent is it's like it's gonna get him to it's got him to this point so it's a reason why he's here i just have to make sure that at all times that's where that guy is at that's what you got to do with any basketball player but especially for like we talked about with our deficiencies like you have to like if a dude gets posted up and he scores man you got to come back down and be like hey when you come off the screen light him up like he got like he got to get it you know he got to get it you got to take things personal it's, yeah, it's a small so, guard advice to, to smaller guards in general you have to be like two things the toughest guy on the court, which yeah. sometimes I might look like I struggle with that, but man, I'm mad inside. Some guys <laughs> are stronger than me. Yeah, nah. Number two, you have to be almost delusionally confident. It, yeah. Like, nobody can tell you anything except the coaches. But me and LJ were talking about the other day. We were sitting on the sideline, and I was like, no matter who walks in the gym, I'm going to think I'm the best player on the court. No yeah. matter if LeBron walks in, and that's stupid. That's delusional. <laughs> but that's yeah. how you have to be at this level to be 
a good player, you have to be delusionally confident. You know, not not, not doing crazy stuff on the court, like mm-hmm. trying to dunk on people. You can't <laughs> dunk, but like yeah. you have to be almost delusionally confident in order to succeed. Yeah, that's definitely. I, I definitely, you know, you have to have that sense in you. That's like I'm I'm a kill because you already like you already gonna get tested. I mean, you you know, we walk on the court. Dudes want to pose you. Dude, like, you six foot, bro. You same height as me. But mm-hmm. you just think, because I'm small, too, you're going to post me up. <laughs> like, exactly. we, we, we all go through that. You know, you get tested quick. But I, I one thing I've always noticed is, like, if you're a small guard and then you've proven over time that you can play at that level, then guys just start, like, letting you rock. Like, your teammates let you rock. Your coach, he finally, like, okay, he, like, he got it. Like, he, you know, to a certain degree, like, yeah, he can play. He, he got it. So, I've never seen, you know, you, you kind of earn that respect, you know, through it um, because they understand where, you know, that, that you're smaller, but you still out there killing. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, he, he good. He, he valid. He can play. Exactly. And also, if you're a small guard, you probably got to be the hardest worker on the team. Oh, yeah, four or five. I would say you're probably the, the hardest worker on the team besides maybe LJ. <laughs> Um, you're always Shoot, in the gym. And all stuff. three of us. We yeah, just, I respect that a lot. Yeah. I think you have to be. If you're not, obviously, you're already smaller than everybody. You have to work harder. You have to watch more film. You have mm-hmm. to eat better. You have to go to sleep earlier. Like you have to put in, you know, almost double the hours of everybody else. And you have to be fine with that. Like you're gonna be bored on some Saturday nights when everybody out. But like, that's not yeah. making me better than other guys. But I'm gonna hit up Marcus Noel real quick. Um, <laughs> 20 assists. The previous record in NCAA tournament was 13. So it just shattered that record. Oh yeah. Um. And I have some advanced stats here. Got posted up 12 times. They scored four. So that's almost <laughs> just like a regular – that's regular. Like yeah. if somebody drives on them 12 times, they're going to score four. So it's not like he's out there getting scored on every single time. Um, as well, he scored or assisted on 62% of Kansas State's points. So he either oh, scored right. or passed to somebody <laughs> that scored. So without him, um, I think they scored 94 points in the game that they, they won. the one, Not the one they just lost. But without him, they only score, you know, whatever – 94 minus 64 is like 30 or something, but which is really <laughs> insane to me. But hitting on his coach real quick, yeah. he took a chance on him, right? His pre the pre his previous point guard is you know six one. He plays in Miami, um, but he took a chance on him. What do you think about him as a coach that propels Noel's confidence? What do you think that he does that makes him ultimately confident in what he does on the court? Oh my God, I just seen like I've watched like I've lo- I've watched Coach Tang. It's like last 50 clips because mm-hmm. he just exudes like confidence in his players, confidence in players his staff. Coach for sure, yes. Definitely a player's coach. Like, you know, there was something that they were talking about on TV. Like when, when they asked him, like, how do you like want Marquise to play? And this and that. He said, I want him to see the game through his eyes. Like, I don't want him to see it the way I see it. Like, because that's not what's going to make him successful. So just hearing that from his, from a coach, I could see why he can pull up in March Madness in the Big Apple at the logo <laughs> and shoot it, you know what I'm saying, with like it, with four minutes left in the game, they only up three or down three. Like he just has that level of confidence because his coach literally was like, all right, he's going to get posted, cool, but he's going to give me 30 and, and 12 on the other end. Yeah, so <laughs> them eight points, that ain't really doing nothing, you know, in comparison to what his production level is. Um but yeah, as far as Coach Tang, man, he just he seems, and ultimately I don't like I don't know him personally or anything like that. But just what he puts out there, and the media lets me know that, um, you know, he he's just doing a great job of being a real players coach and just being really good with people. 
And you can see that with all his players. Like, I'm pretty sure there's some things. Like, I saw in the game, like, a big took it down coast to coast, and he lost it. And he clapping him up on the sideline. Probably something that big should have never been doing yeah, in, a, he never did that in the first before, one, never, never. in the first place. But instead of just berating him, he took the time. He was like, "Well, I need this dude to play good." You know, I'm just speaking from what I, you know, what I would think as a point guard, as a teammate. Like, I need this dude to play good, and I can't have him shutting down in this moment. Like, I need him to rebound, block shots. You know, put, uh, help me in the pick and roll, set good screens, roll to the rim. I need him to do all these things. Like, I can't tear him down right now. Like, we can go back later tonight and go to the film and be like, hey, yo, like, come on. <laughs> like, that's a wasted possession. But, you know, in this moment, like, I need you to play well. And I think every time I, I've watched him coach, every time I've seen, you know, clips, it's like he's just doing things that are going to project confidence into his players. And that's by far the most important thing that you can do on the floor. Yeah, it speaks volumes the way he went into the FAU's locker room and was like, mm-hmm cheering for you guys y'all beat us but y'all are a bunch of tough dudes I, I mean me personally that takes I would have to grow exponentially <laughs> for that to happen because I'm never doing that as a coach like I aspire to be like that level of a, of a winner one day like he yeah. goes in the locker room you know you guys are winners go win it for us um but let's hit on this real quick so the final four point guards Nigel Pack is six foot um the point guard for um oh SDSU he's six one and then um UConn's point guard is 6'3", and then the last point guard is 5'10". So they're all kind of small guards. Nacho mm-hmm. Pack is listed as 6'1", but he's not 6'1". He's like <laughs> he's <not>. maybe 5'11", <laughs> and SDSU's point guard is extremely small too. So there's a there's a great correlation with SDSU's coach. He used to play point guard, like he said that before, and he recruited a small guard. So what do you think about the coach to to point guard relationship? What how do you feel like it has to be like to me it has to be like as close as it gets. Like mm-hmm. you almost have to be not best friends cuz it's you know it's a, it's a hierarchy obviously, but you have to respect each other greatly. Respect is the big yeah. thing for me. So hit on that for me. With previous coaches you've had or you know coaches you want to have in the future. The best the 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 best coaches that I've had, they've and I know it's like like you said like it's it's a hierarchy between you and the coach. But at the same time, the best coaches I've had, they've always respected my opinion on things, mm-hmm. which is like, like even if, it, like I have, I've had coaches who don't, like in the moment, they probably in the back of their head, like we're never doing what yeah. Caden's saying. You sound crazy. <laughs> like we're not doing what Caden's saying. But in that moment, they looked at me and was like, all right, you know, try it. Like, let, like let's see. Or if I call a play. And maybe, you know, you occasionally look over there to the sideline. You'd be like, run it. Like, why are you looking at me, you know? And um, one, of, one of the greatest coaches that I had, you know, we our relationship actually got better when I transferred from his school, Coach Joffrey Pierce at Grayson. But um, it was like my sophomore year, and he used to – I ain't going to lie. I used to get ripped. Like, bring up the ball full court, full court pressure. I get ripped in the backcourt. The and worst feeling went, in basketball. <laughs> and they went and laid the ball up. And he brought me to the sideline one time, and he was like, I trust you to just go past him and go get a layup. Mm-hmm. Like, forget the play. Whatever play I call, if a dude press you in the backcourt, he's like, that's disrespectful. Go past, disrespectful. Go past him. Get a layup. So once he said that, he was like, I fully trust you to, like, like you know when to score. You know when to pass. Like, just hoop. Once he hit me with that, my confidence for him, and I played way better, you know, after that moment um, for him. So, I like, any coach that I've had that kind of, like, respected my opinion or gave me the confidence as far as, like, hey, yo, go out there and kill, like, you can do it. 
and it don't have to be like you don't have to look at me for a play call you don't like you can run it you know exactly. what you're doing so that that type of relationship that trust that you got to have cuz i mean as a coach especially if at this level like people don't like to say it but coaches jobs are hard and they're basically having to trust 18 to 20 year old guys with their livelihood, <laughs> with their livelihood which is crazy to think crazy about it to me. you know coach Sully brought that to my attention like it was like right after the season we were just having a talk and he said that and i was like dang he's right you know but if you you know if you uh, uh, just kind of put your guys and and give them that confidence and they're you know playing to the best of their abilities and they're out there kind of like in a sense having fun and, and doing what they you know like to do and uh, they're they're ultimately confident. Like I think that it carries, and you know, and and then you're not as worried, right? But it's a it's a tough balance. It's it's definitely a tough balance. I can see. I think the greatest thing that I've been able to see is like I see the coach's perspective on it. Mm-hmm. I've been able to see the players' perspective on it. So I'm not just one sided because you know how we are as players. Like if something don't go our way, coach don't make a right call on you know defense or offense we always don't blame it on them yeah exactly. but instead of looking at it like okay why did he call that it takes a lot of growth <laughs> to understand that you're not yeah. the problem like you're it's always not on someone else besides you yeah. you know i'm still yeah. not at that point yet. i'm trying to blame other people for mistakes that i've made but you know as a point guard like when a coach tells you it, it happened to me a little bit this year like in big games like coach Shelley reassured me like you know you know, we trust you. We trust you with the keys. Like, go, you know, go mm-hmm. drive the car. Don't wreck it. I probably wrecked it a couple times <laughs> this season. But, um, Shit, but I wrecked it before I even played again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's big time when coaches, you know, say, hey, man, we trust you. You know, go go get a bucket. But, you know, give me – last question here. Give me a couple guys you look up to and aspire to be. It could be college, NBA, overseas. Yeah. Just give me, you know, two or three guys. Uh, um, Just Pierre Jackson, like I said earlier – Mike James when he hit the scene, Shane Larkin, a lot of those overseas guys. Because mm-hmm. I just, I love, Larkin, yeah. I, I love that like underdog story, um, and playing overseas because people don't understand how hard that is to do mm-hmm. that over there and really kill. And um, I just think it's a little bit better, like because the NBA it can be glorified. Like I love Dame in the NBA, but it's kind of glorified. Like he knows he's getting thirty shots. He knows he, you know, he the man. Shoot, I just saw it. They have his uh, his uh, brand printed on the stanchion yep <laughs> in the arena like yep. <laughs> you know you to do like when your brand symbols in the arena like you know posted on the arena that's you know, that's crazy stuff whereas you know when you go overseas like it's really bottom of the barrel you start at and then you kind of just build yourself up so i knew all those small guards had to really kill to get to those top euro leagues and play in that level and so. if you guys have sorry to interrupt you if you yeah. guys have never watched overseas basketball <laughs> like it is crazy packed gyms way more intimate than the nba yep. like Teams going crazy. They lighting flares in the crowd, <laughs> yep. in the building, like flares, look like fireworks going off. Like yeah. it is really, really cool. Y'all need to definitely go check that out. Like it is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, but college-wise, um, anybody you look up to right now in the college game, or you could, you know, in the past. Right now in the college game. I mean, Marcus Noel is a big one for us. Yeah. I would say. So when when I was growing up, it was Trey Burke. When Trey Burke oh, came, the got truth. In there, Trey Burke was was crazy. Right now, um. I think why am I drawing a blank right here? But oh, Darius McGee. Mm, the truth is well. at Liberty. The he played as he, well. Yeah, he played some of my boys at Kennesaw State, and he he, he gave him a forty piece. Kennesaw State is good too. I yeah. forgot his name. He can play though. Yeah, he can play. But uh, I like I like Darius McGee. There's there there's some guys um in smaller conferences. That's uh you you touched on one at uh, San Diego State. Um, and he tra- sits tra- down. Tra- yeah, I seen his stuff when he was in Seattle at at Saint Ignatians. 
um, you know, in high school. So it's it's a lot of it's a lot of those smaller guards. You got to go to the smaller conferences. It, it's hard to find them in the Power Five. But yeah, there's I there's I mean you can you can still find like I know Shout Deshaun Ruffin's at Ole Miss. There's UVA, you know Kia Clark. UVA. Yeah, Kia Clark. Like, did not want to say that. <laughs> Kia Clark passed too much for me. I like does, the does, does Ruffin play at Ole Miss? Is he getting? He got in hurt. high school. He was the truth. He he got hurt. He played some preseason games, but you know you don't know until yeah, some, you know some stuff happens and, mm-hmm. and nobody it's knows. Um, but there's you know there's always guys you know smaller guards that are playing at those levels. You just kind of got to figure it out. And a lot of them, like you said, they a lot of it is rare opportunity. Like we even talk about Marquise Noel. Like I think the coach got fired. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys transferred fired. out, and he just ended up staying and stuff. Like that's a rare situation, you know. So. It's a lot of those rare situations that happen that are like, oh, okay, now you kind of get presented an opportunity. It's like, okay, I have to trust this dude, and he go out there and kill. So, so last thing, any advice you would give to somebody that would be in your position, a lot young, a lot younger than you, um, yeah. or you could give advice to guys that might have to redshirt when they, because I mean, you probably didn't think you were gonna come in here and redshirt. I thought yeah. I didn't think I was gonna come in here and play. So it's it's crazy to think about. Yeah. But any advice you would give in those two scenarios? Um, well, I, if I, for my younger guys out there, I would just say that um, there's a lot of now with AAU, like there's a lot of outside activity that really has nothing to do with basketball. Like it's hard because there's a lot of things that can stop you from being in a position that have nothing to do with basketball. But if you keep basketball the main thing, you will find yourself successful in situations. So, like I would say, it's just kind of like if you're younger, I'm building out all my skill set, like shooting, passing, dribbling, you know, like that's that's the type of stuff that I would be more concerned about, the actual physically getting better through my game. Like I'm not even into the youth really like winning games. Like, mm-hmm. okay, like we both know now that we look at it like, okay, who really cares if we won that AU tournament? Nobody like, cares about that <laughs> like, eighth grade AU championship. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and these college coaches, they don't really care. They're like, can he make that pass with his right hand? Mm-hmm. Can he do this with his left hand? Can he shoot? Can he dribble? Can he make this play? Like, that's what they care about. So at a younger age, like, you're going to deal with, like, there's politics and everything when it comes to basketball, and, like, at any level now as far as AAU, high school, you know, college and the NBA or, you know, pro level. There's politics and everything, but one thing they can't deny is a good player. Like, at some point in time, it's going to show. And if you're really that dude or, you know, you really, you know, have that skill set, like, it's going to come a time where they're going to have to let you rock. Like, it's just I've never seen it. If you're consistently putting in the work, doing what you're supposed to be doing, that opportunity always presents itself, you know. So that would be my advice for younger guys. And that redshirt year, man, (laughs) it helps, but it hurts. It helps, but it hurts. pros and cons, um, you know, you definitely it, – it's definitely a – it's a shock because, you know, like like you said, like I'm coming in, I'm not going to lie, as a mindset, I'm probably a little bit more arrogant than what I, than what I did. It's yeah, definitely I thought a I was going to 20. So. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a humbling experience. You sitting there, you know, like I didn't think I was going to play, but uh, – I wasn't going to play, but then after a while when you're just like, okay, this is my path, how do I make it the best I, mm-hmm. I can – it can be. I just took it and ran with it, and uh, it served wonders. Like, I've done everything that's helped my game. Definitely gotten better since I watched some of our preseason films. Yeah, I was I like, that's totally different better. player. Mm-hmm. Even just, you know, certain things that people aren't – like, I changed my body. Like, I dropped 10 pounds yep. since I've got here. Body fat went down. Every Like, just everything. Just yeah, you're more cautious. a person, too. Yeah. 
So definitely, man, uh, the red shirt year is, is definitely beneficial, especially if you like, if you're not ready, then it's just, it is what it is. Yeah, you it's just got to prepare. It's not nothing to shy away from at all. I, I, would, I would say <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Don't be afraid. Break. I mean, it's a year you get to work out and work on your game. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's a, either a year you're going to waste getting five minutes a game or you're going to work out and, you know, the next yep. year play 20. So yep. I would definitely never shy. But I appreciate you so much, man. You, you've always inspired me to, you know, work harder. I always see you in the gym. Fun fact, I used to cut the lights off in the gym. So that if I knew if Caden came back at night or not, so <laughs> the lights are on, I'm like, oh, he's getting ahead of me. I got to get back in. But, um, but I appreciate you so much, man. I know you're going to yeah. succeed, you know, not just in basketball, but wherever you do in life, whether it's fashion, business, um, completely something completely different that you might know is not in your path right now. But I appreciate you so much, bro. That's wrapping up episode three. I appreciate you guys. Um, y'all have a great rest of y'all's day.